Welcome yeah. to the Home Lab Show 77. This is exciting. Uh, we're going to be talking today about content and Mastodon. And, yep. you know, Jay just dropped a tutorial video that will be linked in the description of setting up Mastodon, which is, of course, important. Um, but we, this is a topic I think is going to be very relevant to Home Lab people because the reality is we're not working in bubbles. We are communicating in a social way. And how we communicate um, is really important. And also the fact that you can just uh, federate all these different social media ideas uh, and run your own forums or run your own um, federated instance of Mastodon. It's going to be a just interesting topic that we want to kind of toss around for people to give some uh, thoughts to chew on and everything else. So uh, we're looking forward to this episode and thank you for, um, you know, patiently waiting while me and Jay uh, sequentially, because we didn't leave the same week. We both had places to be one week. I had another place to be another week. So uh, we just had to take a little hiatus on here, but thank you for all of you for sticking with us and coming back. Uh, and thank you, Linode, which by the way, I got to hang out with Linode while I was gone. Uh, the, the people that work there that also engage in some of the community. It's always fun. I actually spent three hours on a bus with the Linode people, which was actually, <laughs> it was just a lot of fun. But if you don't get a chance to spend time on a bus, you want to know how fun Linode is, go ahead and sign up using our offer code. They're a great place to host many of the projects we talk about. They're a great service because some things are better hosted in the cloud and not necessarily in your own uh, office. And, you know, it's a fun place to host all the projects we talk about in here. We thank them for sponsoring the show. Offer code down below, the Home Lab Show, if you want to get signed up with Linode. So thanks for being a sponsor. And uh, you could run a Mastodon instance, Linode. Right, Jay? You sure can, because I did. <clears throat> Or I am rather. Or yeah. you are. You you did. Yeah, I am. You, you dropped the video on it. Um, so I think first, what what is Mastodon? Should we uh probably define what it is besides something that became very popular since a megalomaniac bought a uh social media company? <laughs> yeah, so it's a prehistoric creature that uh bones are being discovered. Oh, wait, not that one. Um yeah. <sighs> so you know, disclaimer, I'm still learning it but all of my focus and attention has been on building it. That's usually how it goes. I, you know, build something over and over again and uh, until I learned the setup process. So I, I built it, destroyed it, built it, destroyed it like five or six different times until I had it down to a pretty much a science. And then I made the video about it. So it's a, I want to call it an alternative to Twitter. And you could self-host it yourself. You could join someone else's Mastodon server. So you don't have to build your own server because other people that have built their own server will sometimes allow people to register. So basically, when you build a server, you could put it in single user mode. So it's your, you know, your server, nobody can register at all. Or you could leave registration open and let people register on there. And there's going to be some feature discrepancies between Twitter and Mastodon. So I don't want to call it a one-to-one -one drop in replacement because it's totally not that. It's very similar to it. But there's going to be some differences like I've heard. And again, I'm still learning the user side of it. The admin side of it is what the video is about because that's where I show people how to, you know, how to build it. But there's going to be like um, direct messages are going to be different as I understand it. They're not quite the same thing. So there's going to be some differences. I'm pretty sure you can edit your uh, toots as they're called, which yes. I still haven't gotten used to. Uh, whereas Twitter, you know, you, you delete the entire message, copy and paste and re posted or repasted every time you uh, have so much as a typo, which has never been fun. So with all the craziness about um, the new evil overlord of Twitter, just basically burning it into the ground, I, I've i been trying Mastodon off and on for a while. And I figured it was time to just 
take it a bit seriously because I could never get it built. I would always run into a problem and it would just fail. And what I realized, I did some more research while I did the video, what it ended up being is that Ubuntu 22.04, as I understand it, on OpenSSL 3, Mastodon, as of the time I set it up, did not support that. So when you get to that step, it would just fail and I couldn't find a way around it. Then I located that there's a bug report already that somebody put in there and they already put in a pull request. And the development moved so fast that I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if that issue I ran into on Ubuntu 22.04 is fixed now. The pull request was there and they've already went up two versions since I recorded the initial footage. And they're already at like, I think 4.0.2 or 0.3. And I was um, a couple versions, you know, behind, which were, you know, current as of the time I recorded the video. And in the video, I even mentioned, um, you know, when I download, I'm like, wow, that was released four minutes ago. So it was literally, they released a new version in the middle of the recording process. But the process for building it is somewhat involved. Um, I, I, feel, I feel like it's medium difficulty or maybe a little less than that. But there's a lot of components, and if any one of those components, you know, you don't get those set up, you're going to have a problem. But with the video and the steps that I put in there, you know, again, I built it, destroyed it, built it, destroyed it, so it's reproducible. I know that when people go through the commands, they're going to end up with the server. It's going to work because I've already ran into all the problems and made sure that that was, um, you know, not, none of those problems were actual problems in the video. So um, it's all set up. It's learnlinux.social. That's where it is right now. And I'm just exploring it. And I have to say, I the more I look into it, the more impressed I am. There's there's just some, you know, really nice surprises that you'll find. Like, for example, I was curious about how to scale it out. And then there's a document in their knowledge base that tells you exactly the different ways that you can scale out its components if you ever need to do that. And um, it's just a pleasant surprise, the way that it's built and the different features that it has. And I'm just scratching the surface right now. So I'm actually quite enjoying it. Yeah, and to back up just a little bit of why it's compared to Twitter. So the category it falls into in our social media landscape, uh, if you will, is going to be it's a microblogging service. So you right. have an option to put a limited amount of text and attach a photo or a video um, to that. And the microblogging services, actually, there were many of them. Many people know Twitter. But if you actually spend a few minutes reading the history of microblogging services, you're like, wow, there was a lot of players in that market. And then you'll find an inflection point by which Twitter turned into the large company that it is. And the reality, though, is especially with the HomeLab people and those of you that are maybe new to HomeLab or new to the concept, the beginnings of the internet were really much more about a lot of small people running websites, whether it was, you know, mm -hmm. GNDs was a hosting platform that was really popular, but it gave a lot of people a way to run their own blogs, run their own instances where they shared knowledge. And I really like that a lot because once you hyper concentrate and put everybody in one place, you end up with, well, all the problems that led to the current status of Twitter uh, in, in right. the name of Facebook or any of these others. Once you do things at the hyperscaler size that these companies do, there's just a lot of different problems you may run into it. But if you look at it as a series of smaller microcosms, or even we'll come back to my forums, which we'll talk a little bit about later, 
you're dealing with things in a very different way. And I think this lends itself to home lab people, especially because we want to run our own little worlds, whether that be a gaming server where we have chose to host it because we want to control the parameters around it and control and moderate the people that come in here and have our friends uh, share within that. And if you don't like that particular gaming server, well, guess what? Lots of other people have one too. And it's the same concept with Mastodon where, you know, I think it just became such a big mess with Twitter trying to figure it all out. But the concept of running all of these servers, but then leveraging the modern technologies that we have today to federate them. So you can not have to create a login for every person's little uh, instance of Mastodon. You can actually, right. I can log in with my instance on InfoSec Exchange, which I'll tweet that at some point that I posted. And yes, I'm staying with Twitter. We'll talk about that later too. But the um, ability to then also log into Jays and have it interoper interoperable with these. This is actually the beauty of a lot of the way we've thought about modern design is before they were just individual in individual things now they can be federated across these platforms so i can have a login i can be friends with the other people and if one of those little worlds one of those instances of mastodon becomes toxic or uh, not welcome we can unfederate them and say you know what that community they really like not behaving well so we're going to not interrupt with that particular community if they'd like to be doing their thing over there um great so this is the bigger design that is going behind Mastodon. Now, a few things about Mastodon, though. It is a uh, free and open source software that you can run self-hosted, as Jay's talking about. Uh, and it, as I said, is, is a micro-blogging platform. But it's actually, if you really want to dig into it, they've um, been uh, crowdfunded. They don't contain ads. Their uh, original author was Eugene Rocco. There's a lot of good information you can uh, follow. I believe it's uh, they started out of Germany. And it's a very active project. And of course, as we say at the beginning, it's become substantially more popular with the uh, recent events. But the recent events were just in, an inevitable thing that happens when you have large concentration of singular monopolies trying to control uh, sections of the media. It just doesn't work out for everybody. Uh, we're all no. kind of individual, unique, and being able to form our own groups is actually a better way forward. I think this is part of the evolution of the internet in general. I, um, and this is just my personal opinion. It's not like I've uh, spent a lot of time analyzing this, but I, you know, work in this space every day. It's the mentality that you know, if the companies don't solve the problem, then we will solve the problem. And you could apply that to so many, you know, so many different things. Like back in the day when people were ripping DVDs using Handbrake to put them on Plex when that first became popular because we're going to take that into our control. And Nintendo being against emulation when all we want is to play our classics. So if they don't solve it, then we'll download RetroPie. And if Twitter's going to make you know fools of themselves or itself, then we'll roll out something of our own to fix it. So it's either the companies bring their A game or we will bring our A game and host it ourselves, and then they're out. You know, unfortunately, you know, I have to think about the employees that are laid off. So I'm not trying to make it sound like a completely good thing, um, but unfortunately, that's something that's happening <laughs> as a part of this. But at the, at the same time, um, it's just about owning our data, our services, and being in control of our online life rather than someone else because i think these companies are proving again and again that they're just horrible stewards of our personal information and online presence so um, if the companies keep doing the, doing this the way they're doing it then it's just going to get worse from here i hope it gets better you know i want to be an optimist but 
then we have solutions like Mastodon that might be an alternative if we just don't want that drama. Yeah, and it's is what eventually it comes down to. So kind of walk us through what are some of the dependencies or why you would want to run your own instance of it. And by the way, for the detailed tutorial, yes, it'll be linked down below. I'll make sure I update description. Jay has a walkthrough video that just got released uh, probably, yeah. what, half an hour before this show started. So It was something like that. I was actually going to time it for 11, which is my normal time. But then I'm like, I should probably get it out early. Otherwise, I'm trying to scramble to do some last minute things as we start recording. Um, so the process. So first of all, you asked, why would you want to do this? Um, right. Why would we want to self-host anything, right? I feel like it's fun and it's a good project for, and I wish I mentioned this in the video, it's a really good learning project. And I feel it's one of the best ones. Nextcloud is another one that's really good. But what's what makes this really great is you could just install it and run it as is. If you want to explore load balancing and clustering and scaling it out, then you can explore that with the same solution. So that way, you know, if you're new to this, for example, and you roll this out, then you get to learn about security, which is true of anything. And then you start going into the documentation. You might look at how to scale it out, how to load balance it, which is another thing you get to practice that's used in the real world. And I feel like there's a lot of joy for a lot of people, including myself, when you're learning something that is used throughout um, the internet. You have WordPress, for example, which does not scale well. It's not, it's not built for that. Mastodon is. So this is a better example than, than WordPress is for getting started. Now, as far as why you would own your, you know, run your own server versus joining someone else's, that's a personal thing for each and every individual because they just might want to host it because it's fun to do that. Or maybe they just don't really like any of the servers that they know about and they just want to go their own direction or something, which is fine. So there's going to be multiple different reasons. I think for me, it's always about learning and, and having a good project to maintain always makes it a lot more fun so that's why i would recommend doing it it's just so, so much fun to do as far as the setup process um in the video i actually combined a lot of package installations into one command because you know i had postgres for the database nginx for the proxy some you know ruby packages and a, a bunch of other you know dependencies and libraries and it's just a one-liner and then you install yarn so you need those dependencies and then from there you download the Git repository, and I'm super simplifying this. And when you do that, and I thought this was really great, um, the Mastodon repository, when you download it, it'll have the systemd service files in there in a, in a special folder, as well as the Nginx config in there as well. So I think that's pretty cool because you don't have to invent the Nginx config file from scratch. You do have to make some changes because it's going to be referencing some paths. And if those paths don't match, then of course things don't work. Same is true of the system D scripts, but for the most part, they're 90% there, just change some paths, put them in the right place, and then you have those installed. And once you get it installed, you have to have some kind of a proxy in front of it to expose it to port 80 and 443, use a Let's Encrypt certificate recommended to get that going. The install script is going to ask you a bunch of questions. It's going to ask you like your Redis password, which there isn't one by default. Your Postgres database info is going to be asked for the uh, domain. So you'll need a domain. I think this is one of those where I don't really mention you should have a domain. Otherwise, use an IP address if you you know can't get one. You, yeah, but domain, domain is going to be the ideal you, way to do this. I don't even know if you can. Um, I mean, you probably can. I'm just assuming that. But it's going to be like, at username at IP address, which is not very memorable. So, I mean, if you could do that, I guess you wouldn't have very many followers because who's going to remember that? So 
that's why it could be a bit of a cost, right? So you get a domain for however much money that domain costs a year. You need your hosting, um, Linode or whatever it is you're using. So you're going to have a monthly fee for the um, instance plus a monthly fee for the backups too. If you use the built-in Linode backup system, it's pretty inexpensive, but you have to factor in domain and um, the yeah. cost of hosting and all that and factor that into whether or not you want to do this. But if you're if you're just looking for a fun project, I feel like it's a really good one and I highly recommend it. And I think it's possible. I'm not trying to create more work for myself, but there is a big possibility at some point I'll revisit this and talk about more advanced things that you could do with it, which I think would be a lot of fun when I get caught up with all the other things that are in, in the queue. But I would like to do that because there's some really good things about scaling out. I think it would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I think... Uh... Well, as far as hosting goes this in in load on the system what what kind of an instance does someone need for this uh how much storage yep. are you thinking and how much processor i mean i'm assuming it can run on a pretty you know depending on how much traffic you get for a relatively uh, lightweight instance i had trouble finding like the minimum requirements <laughs> but for my experience i would say i wouldn't do it on anything less than two gigs so okay but then again, I mean, we're getting like a lot of the VPS providers, Linode and otherwise, the one gig instance, one gig, one CPU is pretty much the standard. But we're getting to a point now where just the you know Linux distribution itself is already using half of that. So I think, you know, if you want anything serious, two gigs is always probably better. But there's a step where um, it, it, when you compile the assets, it's the documentation tells you that you need more RAM for that kind of thing, for that step. Even going as far as to say, you know, you could, if you're using a VPS, um, change it to a higher instance while you install it and then lower it back down to two gigs. So I would say four gigs is what I went with and, and everything worked. I didn't have to change anything. But possibly if you go down to two gigs, you might have to temporarily go with a bigger instance just for that step. And once setup is done, you can go down. Um, so that's one thing, one way you could do it. But if um, it's affordable to go with four gigs, depending on what your budget is, I would just do that because I, I think... Um, you're probably going to have the best experience. If it gets super popular, then you're covered. If it, you know, never, if the baseline is always low, you can lower it then, I think. But I think that's probably a good starting point, at least two gigs minimum. Yeah, and I will admit, this is one of the problems because like the, I I believe it's infosec.exchange is one of the instances I joined um, mm -hmm. where a lot of the infosec Twitter people are setting up a option so they have a place to uh, share information. And I know there was some joining problems they have with a mass inflection of users. So that is something to consider on there. So you have to think about the scalability of your project. And that's going to be a little bit uh, of a challenge when you're setting this up. If you're someone who has a large following or plans to build a large audience on your Mastodon, uh, make sure you're putting it somewhere that can handle uh, the extra load. That's uh, And then I believe, how is it for tuning retention? Because uh, if someone uploads a lot of pictures and, hey, we share a lot of pictures on these social platforms, how does it handle all the storage on that for the back end? So basically, you could do the standard um, extra volume. Right now, um, the server I build, everything's on one. It's 80 gig. It, I mean, honestly, people might go crazy. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but they also support object storage as well, which is really oh, good because then you don't have to worry um, so much about a ceiling. You, you have to keep your eye on it, though, because if it's endless storage, then it's an endless bill, apparently. But I think that might, that's not what I did, but I might do that because then, you know, I don't have to worry about resizing the LVM um, volume. 
if that day ends up coming. So it's a little early days. I, I do know that there's um, potentially some issues with how many Postgres connections you have that if you're super popular, it could be a problem. But as you're talking, I was reminded though, if you're doing a single user instance, I probably couldn't justify a four gig instance at that point, because then you don't have to worry about user signups and, and all of that. And sure, you might have to up the instance to four gig to build it and then lower it down. But if you're the only user, then I, I feel like you can get away with a lot less if you're just the only person using it, which some people that might be what they want. They don't want to manage users. They just want, you know, their own server for their well, own use case. Yeah. Your own instance. And then you right. federate that instance with the other ones for the interactions. Exactly. Right. Yep, exactly. Cause, cause it's your server for your username, essentially. Right. Um, it's either for your username or your username plus other ones. You know, that's really what it comes down to that you manage and, and are responsible for within that network. But right, you federate it and then it intertwines with other nodes. And then um, that's when you start to see more activity. Yeah. And that's what's interesting is it, it's giving us back to the fact that we want to control our own data. We should be mm -hmm. able to. And the, the high switching costs, and I've actually followed Corey Doctorow for a long time, read a lot of his books. And I recommend people, if you want to understand uh, what interoperability really means or what the future looks like, he's actually uh, did a talk at DEF CON recently that you can find online. And if you type in like Corey Doctorow ComCom, uh, DEFCON. You'll find the talk on there. I'll see if I can throw a link in there. Uh, but ComCom refers to interoperability with other services, um, being able to control your own data and be interoperable. I think that's one of the really good points. And it's also what a lot of home lab people really believe and as they should, like they're coming back to the concept uh, because for me years ago, there wasn't even a way for you to have someone else own the media you use in the same way there is today. You know, it, it's almost like we just buy media as a subscription service, but then that subscription service can lose that media because of backend licensing. So I think a lot of the homeland people go, well, how do I control be in control of this? And Jeff Gearling, by the way, did a really good recent video mm -hmm. on this topic of yeah. uh, managing your own media. Um, and controlling all that. He's got a lot of great topics on that. But this is the same thing with any of the social content you create, uh, being able to be in control of that. It's really what uh, Mastodon means. Now, <clears throat> to answer uh, a couple other questions, though, about like Twitter, we talked about it. And, you know, I feel bad for anyone that's getting laid off. That's not what we're, uh, right. you know, laughing about, so to speak. It's just kind of the grab the popcorn and what's going to happen today at Twitter. Are they going to break 2FA again or what? But the reality is, um, in, and this question's come up, even though I'm looking at Mastodon, Jay's looking at it, and I'm looking to join some of these, the other side of it is I will stay for the time being on Twitter, and it comes down to audience. And the same reason people ask us why we publish on YouTube, and it comes down to audience. Uh, right. We want to get information out. Me and Jay both care a lot about the tech community, and so we look at ways we can engage at scale with the tech community and have our content discovered. Those ways are still despite uh, the, I don't know if they're best or worst efforts by <laughs> a particular individual. Um, Twitter is still where we garner attention for a lot of these things. And I do have about close to 18,000 people following me on there. The same thing with uh, YouTube. Is YouTube the perfect platform? Of course not, uh, but it's still the best platform at the moment. Doesn't mean we don't look at other options. So right. for now, I will continue to stay on there, but um, it, but it's always good to be exploring and thinking about other options that are available to us. What about you, Jay? I completely agree. And that's, um, you touched on a lot of reasons why I, I stay there. So, you know, it's, it's less of a recommendation for me, like my being on a platform 
is not the same as someone else being on a platform because to them they're um, recommending the platform. They love the platform. They want to be on the platform. But being an education company, I have to be more careful because if I was to make a statement like, um, you know, Twitter's bonkers and I'm off of that. Um, the problem there is the people that don't agree with me, the people that don't have a problem with Twitter that would benefit from the educational content that I produce will then not be as likely to see that content. So it's almost like a conflict of interest for an education company. Now, granted, if it gets so bad, um, yeah, of course, I would have to make a company decision, but I want to be where the users are. And yes. sure, there's going to be fewer users on Twitter, but there's still users on Twitter. So if I, you know, get off of that platform, then it, it's like I'm saying I don't care about, you know, the other fans that I might have there. So I try to be mindful of that. But then the other reason, too, is it's still early days and we really don't know what's going to happen. So I, I think it's it's fine to keep a pulse on Twitter, even if you leave it. I wouldn't like delete your account. In my opinion, you could, I don't know if you could pause accounts or whatever you could do there, but I feel like Elon just doesn't want Twitter at all. And he's just, this is just one big oppositional. I'm so angry that they went along with this purchase that I'm going to show them and run them into the ground as a result of my massive oppositional defiance disorder that everybody knows he has. Um, but you know, he's only had it a week. I won't lie. It feels like he bought it a while ago, but the right. fact that it's only been a week has been impressive. And yeah. It, there's going to be a course correction that mostly in, in, I don't know if you're up to date with this, Jay, but he hired people back and I'm not trying to make this yeah, saw that and laid off people again. The, 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 I guess the point I was trying to get to yeah. is um, it's, we don't know what's going to happen because I feel like with the way he's acting, then the next opportunity for someone else yeah, to own not. Twitter and deal with it, obviously there's a lot of money tied up in this. Yeah. But if he's able to, to you know, get that money back or find some way to, I'm not saying I know he's doing this, but I feel like if there's ever any way that someone else takes over Twitter, then he's going to be happy about that. And then the people that stayed on Twitter, as long as the, the next person isn't um, terrible, then I think the people that are there would probably be glad that they're there. However, depending on how long, you know, the time passes, if it's months and months and months and months and nothing has changed, okay, then it's not looking as likely that anything is going to change at that point. we got to draw the line. Okay, this this yeah. circus isn't changing at all. So I think at least give it a couple of weeks and we'll probably have like 15 more headlines about this and yeah. who knows what's going to happen. And and our plan is to drop it here, by the way, because we didn't want to make this a Twitter news channel, but, but we are addressing the elephant in the room, the mastodon right. in the room. Yeah, which brought us uh, brought us to this as a discussion uh, topic point, because there, there is a convergence of the large scale things that are happening and the things that directly right. affect people who use the platforms, how we disseminate knowledge. Now, one of the other things I want to discuss is, you know, I, I, I did a post on LinkedIn and I'll probably repost this uh, maybe on Twitter as well. But it's one of the reasons I run and Jay does as well. We both run our own forums. And the reason we run these forums is so we can maintain our own control of those platforms. Uh, we both use discourse. We both maintain it. We both maintain it, so to speak, out of our own pop pockets as an extension of the mm -hmm. content we produce. And the reason we do that is because one of the things that bothers me is when you build on someone else's platform, you never know what may happen or one someone may purchase that platform and change the rules or simply uh i know there was at least one this happened a while ago um wasn't there was it called expert exchange 
there was a forum oh, that yeah. got very large that then got bought and they started putting all the answers behind paywalls for forums that used to be public. <clears throat> I remember the name. Yeah, of the I remember. I mean, there's all kinds kinds of controversy around um, that site, especially when they, you know, before they had the hyphen in the name, which I won't get into. Uh, that was pretty embarrassing. But um, yeah, the you know, it's actually I actually haven't thought about or even seen that in so long um that's actually it's just one of those things hey remember the thing yeah actually kind of do that was a while right. ago it feels like a while ago and it's one of the reasons that uh we both run and host our own platforms and right. it's it's a really good way to do it whether it's your knowledge base because i've seen people suggesting things as uh when i had mentioned mark text uh of when me and jay were talking about different tools for managing notes and things like that on your computer it's weird that the comments and messages I got from people to use third-party managed platforms for it. And I'm like, why would I put all my data in their platform? Like, especially from a home lab show perspective, there's a reason we suggested things you can self-host that you remain in control over that you control the data. And you don't have to worry about companies um, that, you know, they always do what, what's referred to in the market as a land grab. Here's my free right. tool where you can get free storage on, you know, uh, some, usage of my product and later and this was comments that come up videos i've did several years ago on services that i mentioned that the service had a free tier and i would say a picture of the free tier like hey did you know this offers up to 25 users free and of course immediately someone replied yeah they changed it to 10 users now like <laughs> they they've reduced right. it and that's why i always you know and this is why we encourage so much of looking at the products and projects you use what can you self-host what puts you at the least amount of risk and keeps you in the most amount of control of all of your data that's a lot of what drives a lot of this and like i said i think this is a complete alignment with the audiences we have here at home lab so i, I agree and i it's i feel like it's becoming more frustrating and more and more frustrating for us as time goes on because um you know i mentioned earlier that we're solving problems that companies themselves can't solve I feel like we're finding ourselves solving more and more and more things. And then at some point there's going to be too many things to solve. I mean, the other day it's like I'm driving and I, I just get this random thought. I want to hear this song and the platform just dropped that particular song. So, you know, it's like, it's messing with our leisure time at this point, you know, yeah. when we're trying to unwind. It's, it's like, Oh, um, let's go watch a movie tonight. Sure. Then that becomes, Let's go watch a movie tonight so long as the movie we want to watch is actually there at the time that we sat down. Like, like, is that how, is that the disclaimer we're going to have to give our friends now? Like, yeah, let's watch that new movie as long as it's there. I, it was there earlier today. I think it'll be there tonight. Interested? Yeah. Like, I don't uh, even know. It's, it's crazy. And it's, it's a very it's different time long. than when I used to say, I know it's in my book of DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We and that's why you know Blu-ray sales might and I hope goes back up because you know I just because of Jeff Gearling. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I bought the whole Blu-ray set of the new Battlestar Galactica. It's like I'm not taking any chances when I rewatch that. And the same with Firefly. I buy that like every single time they put it out. Um, but part of that too is because I want to know that when I want to enjoy something, that it's there waiting for me. And when it comes to these, you know, companies, yeah, I mean, we might like a online service today but tomorrow we might not and that's just the reality of it there's still some issues when we self-host things that are similar for example um you could have a maintainer of a project step down and then it's not maintained anymore not updated um you could still have an issue but it's not as likely no. to be as and evil or as common as 
Yeah. And, and, and know, any, we have a Google graveyard for crying out loud. So. Yeah. And any large uh, open source project, for some reason, if it gets dropped, there's always someone that picks it up. If it's a large, right. popular open source project, uh, generally someone picks it up. And for anyone, just make sure I'm referencing the right video. The Jeff Gearling video, if you have not watched it, is called Time to Unsubscribe from Netflix, Disney Plus, etc. And Jeff talks about ownership of your own media. And I think that's completely uh, a, a legit thing to really uh, think about. So. Uh, definitely, definitely a strong consideration. Um, yeah, I agree. Now, a couple other things, and I've seen people mention this, and this is also uh, great. I've seen people thank me for my True Dance videos. Yes, I have more True Dance videos coming out because just recently the new update to True Dance, uh oh man, what's it called? It's going from Angelfish to Blue bluefin i think um but i will be doing a new video on that pretty soon because true nas with the scale version of true nas is getting more and more um mature with all of its docker images and of course this means running your own media is going to get simpler and simpler to do uh right. so i'm definitely be following up on that and these are great ways to consolidate and control all of your own media uh, the next cloud installer actually works pretty well i've talked about that in some of my recent videos and jay's got if you want to run your own next cloud instance um separate like build it as opposed to using a docker image that's another great option as well so all these are ways that uh, of course that we have uh topics on for owning your own media that's a little that's a lot of our a rally cry i guess you could say out of today <laughs> yeah and if you go to you know if movie night is canceled all of a sudden well don't blame us we told you to we told you to self hope so. <laughs> um and I, you know i think that's just the way the world the companies are but but the internet itself is is always going its own direction and then the companies have to reverse course and follow along eventually. So we'll we'll wear them down a bit. I'm, I'm not saying they're going to be perfect and there's going to be no problem because companies are companies and people are people. But yeah, I think, like you said, things are going to get easier and there's probably going to be we already have, you know, uh, you know, we could buy a NAS that has this stuff built in. Um, True NAS is one. We can buy Synology as well yep. or whatever it is. But um, I remember there was a I can't remember. Was it Western Digital that made this media specific? Uh, thing that you'd hook up to a tv it was made for that and i think this product came and gone i almost wonder if that's ahead of its time and something like that needs to come back because if someone just wants a what looks like a portable hard drive with an hdmi cable and just load your media on there i, I think that the market is huge for this right now so uh, if somebody wants to you know tackle that that's one thing um you know for the people that don't aren't necessarily us we could you know, run Plex and we're good with that. But the other people in our family that's, you know, not quite as technical as we are, then I think that there's going to be a big market for things like that because people are just going to get more and more annoyed that their leisure time is being messed with here because that's really ultimately we work hard, we want to watch a movie, we want to play a game, whatever it is. <laughs> We just don't we want, want to own nothing. our own media. It was coming exactly. back. <laughs> just own your own media so you don't have to worry about that being the case. And I think we're going to see that more and more. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty much all me and you have uh, for today, right, Jay? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But what we want it, we want to do another QA episode. So throw those questions at us about some mm -hmm. of the projects or some of the references you'd like us to make or some of the topics you like us to cover or things you like us to dive deeper into on the topics of owning your own media, owning your own data, and being a good steward of that. And I will throw out there because I've done a video on Synology. I know it's not everyone's favorite solution, but it is where I keep all my photos and things like that. So maybe I'll do there's a lot of updates to change it. It came to Synology. I'm always my even myself, I'll admit mixed on it because I know it's not 
not fully open source, but boy, does it work good. And I do get to own my own. I have a methodology by which to own all my own media in a pretty tangible way. But I'm also interested if someone has a project that they've used in the photo management space um, that they really right. like. So I, I, I'm willing to explore it because uh, I do have, and as does Jay, we have a lot of personal photos and so far, uh, Synology has been my best place for it, but that's another topic I think we want to dive into, but we, me and Jay are both kind of going, we haven't found the solution. Maybe someone knows about something. Uh, I feel like there's never one solution. It's almost like there's just, um, several individual solutions that together equal the solution that we are looking for. And everyone's solution is a little bit different than another, which is fine. But, uh, that's just something I seem to notice. There's not, like... I'll use Volumio for music, for example, yeah. and um, also Plexam. But there, there's others out there for music. That's not the only one. Those aren't the only ones. So it's just like you look at the features at this point. And usually, you know, I, I said earlier, open source solves problems that companies won't. But we solve it several times. Yeah. And there's several variations and different solutions for it. So you just choose the one that resonates the most with you. And then that is your, um, you know, your overall system. Yeah, there's there's a lot to it. And we're always learning about new yep. things because uh, I think with the AI stuff, that's the, what I'm actually, I should probably expand a little more what I'm looking for is something that has good object recognition to be able to index photos. Google's is oh. the gold standard by which to do it. Uh, but the reality is we take a lot of photos and being able to have a way to index it. Now with all these different AI things, and you actually can do this with a, well, relatively moderate processor uh, and be able to index and add metadata to photos to be able to find them later based on what is detected in them. I think that'd be a fun project to dive into. It's been on my to-do list for a while to find something where it says, hey, here's all the objects I think I found in this. Uh, and then you can always go back later and readdress that. I know there's a few projects like that out there because we had mm -hmm. discussed it before, but uh, that might make a fun topic because it kind of gets into that understanding how machine learning works. It's a fun learning project. But if someone knows a good one, please uh, reach out to our forums, uh, DM me on Twitter. That's still the easiest way. Uh, LinkedIn or wherever you find me. I'm a pretty simple person to find. So I've tried yeah, to, pretty easy to find. <laughs> yeah, pretty easy to find. So it's Jay and we both have forums. That's another great place to engage with both of us and me and Jay own the forums. So the, uh, the data is within those forums and, you know, we maintain and control all that. So, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for joining us and thanks. Uh, we will be uh, back next week with another episode. We don't know the topic yet, uh, but we're catching, we're catching up because being gone for two weeks means ideas have been flying. <laughs> so it's been a bunch. Yeah. We have, we have a handful. Yep. All right. Thanks everyone. Take care. Thank you.